Hey, Honest HR listeners. This week, we are continuing our rebroadcast of our first two-part mini-series on leadership, navigation, and communication. This is part two of that mini-series. It's called Authenticity, Exclamation Marks, and Email and Egocentrism. On this episode, Callie is joined by Brittany Hansen, a talent acquisition consultant for UW Credit Union in Madison, Wisconsin. You'll hear about the time Brittany brought humor to a strategic workplace meeting, and let's just say it involved purple post-its. And you'll hear about how Callie keeps negative outlooks in check. The reality is not everyone's most authentic self meshes with their entire office. They get into how to keep from losing yourself when friction presents itself and to build resilience instead. We hope you enjoy this series rebroadcast. And if you're new here, details about how you can earn SHRM recertification PDCs for this mini-series can be heard by listening to the episodes and reviewing the show notes. Enjoy! And welcome back to Honest HR. This is your host, Callie Zippel, and I'm excited to be back for another episode here with you all. Uh, We're talking today about authenticity, and uh, I'm really excited to have our guest with us today who actually uh, suggested this topic. So this is near and dear to her heart, and she will be sort of helping us understand why authenticity is so important in our development as professionals and to not lose it as we continue to grow in our careers and as, like I said before, professionals. So Brittany, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited, like I said, to have you as a guest and to be talking about this topic. So introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, why you're here today talking about authenticity. Hey, Callie. Thanks so much. And thanks for um, letting me be on your podcast. And before I introduce myself, I just want to give you a shout out. It's been so awesome to see all of the work that you've done with this podcast. And since you've been in your role with SHRM, um, you, I remember when you were volunteering with us on the Wish SHRM Council, and now you're doing such great, awesome things. And it's so great to see you at all of the events you're at. And I love the podcast. So just wanted to give you a little shout out there first. Um, oh, you're so <laughs> But so, yeah, about me. So I'm um, originally from the Milwaukee area in Wisconsin, and I live in Madison now. And I work as a talent acquisition consultant at UW Credit Union. So I work at the, the corporate office here in Madison. I've been in my role for about six months. And prior to that, I was in human resources at a home care company called Senior Helpers. I was there for about five years. Um, I graduated from UW-Madison with a bachelor's degree in social work, actually. So um, I originally wanted to be a social worker. I think I fall under the category of a lot of the guests you've talked to that didn't initially plan to be in HR, but ended up being in HR. Um, I was able to go on um, to get my MBA as well after I graduated from uh, UW-Madison. So I got my MBA from the University of Phoenix. And um, I guess uh, why I'm in HR, especially because I um, had initially planned to be a social worker, is actually because of my uh, first job I had in college. I worked for a few years in kind of like a pseudo HR role. 
at one of UW Madison's cafeterias. I helped hire and train student employees. Um, it was the best job ever. Um, not only did I make lifelong friends, but I also um, developed great um, work ethic and leadership skills that really influenced my career today. Um, I remembered my first uh, day in that job at the cafeteria. Um, I was a freshman in college, didn't really know what was going on. I remember feeling really lost. So I kind of made it my mission to be a welcoming and helpful and supportive presence to the new employees that came to work at that cafeteria after me. And my love of HR just kind of um, blossomed from there. Awesome. And I, like I mentioned, you sort of came to me and suggested authenticity as a topic. So tell us why this is so near and dear to your heart and um, why, why you wanted to talk about it today for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many reasons I would say I felt drawn to this topic. I think it's really important. Um, I, I not long ago was a young professional. I don't know if I fall into that category in my anymore. Um, I'm officially in my 30s, but um, not too long ago, I was a young professional. And I just remember, um, you know, feeling a lot of pressure to assimilate to workplace culture, office culture, Um, you're trying to not only figure out how to be successful in the workplace and navigate that world, but also just kind of figuring yourself out and who you are as a young professional. And, um, when you're doing all of those things, trying to impress your boss and coworkers and fit in, and again, of course, do your job well, um, that can be tough. And I think that it can be easy to lose yourself in the process or think that you have to, change things about yourself in order to be successful or in order to fit in. And again, um, there's, there's so much pressure to do that, but, um, in my, in my time in the working world, and as I've gone through those experiences, I really think that being your authentic self is, um, how you assimilate to workplace culture and how you can impress your boss and your coworkers and how you can succeed at work. Um, and once you really commit to bringing your authentic self to work, what I found is a lot of that pressure just kind of disappears and really, um, you know, leaders and organizations are looking for authentic people. They're not looking for, for robots. So I think that's another reason why, um, being authentic really is such, um, a great way And um, I want to say an easy way. It's not always easy. It takes time to figure it out, but just like a really natural way to succeed um, in the workplace. Yeah, I would totally agree. And one of the coolest things about this conversation is that at the beginning of this year, uh, there was a Twitter um, conversation that I was following about identifying your four words for 2019 and authentic was one of my four words. And so I actually updated my LinkedIn um, tagline to include authentic as one of my uh, four words. So I'm really excited that this is a conversation that we're having and that we're going to be able to sort of talk about it in the uh, in the vein of using it to be successful. So that sort of leads me to my first question. So how can we make sure that our voice is coming through 
as authentic as possible in our communications, both written, verbal, all of that? How can we make sure that authenticity is true to us in specifically our communications? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's, um, I think that's a, can be a tough thing to navigate and a tough thing to, to figure out. Um, I love that question, Callie, because that actually is honestly why I suggested the topic of authenticity um, in the first place to talk about authentic communication. Um, so there's um, a lot of different things that are coming to my mind, but um, I'll, I'll try and stay focused. So um, I guess what I'll do is I'll use an example of one of the reasons why um, I have found being an authentic communicator is so valuable. And it's really just one simple thing. Um, exclamation marks and emails. Um, I think everyone has their opinions or thoughts about when people use exclamation marks in emails. And it sounds kind of simple and even a little bit silly. But anyone who's ever communicated with me via email knows that I always use exclamation marks. Um, in person, I'm a very expressive person. I get excited really easily when something makes me happy. I usually find myself using really exaggerated facial expressions to show my emotions. So when I'm communicating via email, which is a lot, I tend to express myself in a similar way using exclamation marks, maybe a smiley face here and there, um, things like that. So early on in my career, I ran across an article that really stuck with me. Um, the article was talking about how you shouldn't use exclamation marks in emails, that it's unprofessional or distracting. Um, and for some reason, that just stuck with me. It's kind of like talking with your hands, right? Like there are so many different ways people interpret that, but that it's so yeah, funny that you yeah, said that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that because I, I naturally am expressive like that, whether it's talking with my hands or um, using exclamation marks in emails, that for some reason that article just over the years has, has comes into my mind every once in a while. Um, and so for a while, while sending emails in the workplace, I found myself um, stopping being expressive with exclamation marks or smiley faces or whatever the case may be. And I found myself kind of second guessing whether or not I should use exclamation marks. Um, and that that would just kind of start a like a spiral of, of self-doubt. And um, it really stemmed from me trying to work against what my authentic self who, who my authentic self was. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it's, we can all attest to this, but it's really easy to pick up on when someone's not being sincere. You can just tell in your gut, especially people in HR, we just kind of know you get a feeling. So um, what I learned is that when you try and cover up or hide your authentic self, when you're communicating, um, you're just not coming off as sincere. And that can be a problem. And I found myself struggling with that. So I guess to answer your question, um, something that would, um, be very beneficial to individuals trying to maintain authentic communication in the workplace is just to, to, to trust your gut and follow your gut. And if you are the ind kind of individual who's expressive and wants to put an exclamation mark in your email or four exclamation marks or a smiley face, um, or you don't, if you're the kind of person that that's not your authentic self and you want to communicate in a more succinct way um, that you should just trust your gut because when you try and work against that and you try and think about how you should communicate um, or you know how other people want you to communicate 
um, you're going to come off as insincere. There's going to be some, some internal doubt in there. Um, and you don't want to put yourself in that kind of a situation. And it's so funny that you say that because, so for me, my exclamation points, if, if exclamation points are your thing, all caps are my thing. And sometimes people read all caps as if we're screaming, right? But for me, it, it's excitement. Uh, or I want to make sure that this one word, which I'm really proud of using, is caught when the other person is reading through the emails. And emails are so hard as it is because people interpret what you say differently. And so to your point, there's almost always going to be somebody that reads it the way that they are going to read it regardless of what you meant to say. So you might as well lean into authenticity, right? And and just sort of be you because that's going to resonate more with with others than trying to please everybody. And I think that's sort of the point of our conversation. And frankly, if we're talking email communications, I need somebody to figure out how to put GIFs or GIFs, however it is that you say it. I know that's different too for everybody in emails because I want to communicate with that and emojis instead. So sidebar, but... I agree. If we could figure out how to make that happen. And I guess one thing I want to throw out there, because I imagine, um, you know, some, some folks might be thinking like, well, it's not always appropriate to use emojis or exclamation marks. And obviously there's, there's something to be said about, you know, the right place in the right time. If you're sending like a formal email on an important topic to the president, CEO of your company, or you're, yeah. yeah. Or you're rolling yeah. out a policy, right? Like, okay, we wouldn't yeah, put an exactly, emoji or something exactly. in there. But um, so there's, there's obviously still that differentiation, but you still can and should be your authentic self in those kinds of communications. But um, yeah, so I think that that's one thing that, of course, we're not talking about how just throw all, all professionalism and courtesy out the window, but to make sure that you're still, um, that you're not, you're not, um, stifling your authentic self and how you want to communicate. Yeah, right. Find a balance. Figure out when it makes sense to do it, when it doesn't, and just be aware. Also, be aware of who you're communicating to because sometimes um, it's sort of like the iPhone to the Samsung uh, emoji texting. So I, there's a story, and I've probably told it on this podcast before, where I've sent or somebody has sent a specific emoji to a Samsung phone from an Apple phone, and it goes through as the wrong emoji. So it's, it, again, still with the sending of emojis or the sending of capitalized letters or exclamation points, it can be lost in translation. And so I think we just all have to be ready to have a conversation if somebody reads it differently or hears it differently or whatever. But um, it's always great to just default to authenticity, I think, uh, when you can. So that leads me, though, to our next sort of topic of conversation. Brittany, you and I had a really good conversation about a time recently where you let your authenticity shine through in an actual business and strategic planning situation, right? So tell us a little bit about that and sort of what you learned from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess in addition to me being very expressive and just generally enthusiastic in all forms of communication, I also use humor a lot. 
Um, it runs on my family growing up. Everyone was always being silly and joking and laughing. And, um, as yeah, same humor is like my crutch, I feel like. So I definitely feel you. There. Yeah. I mean, it's how, it's how we manage in social, social situations, I think, and just successfully network with people. Um, it's a, it's a great tool to use. I think, I mean, some people see it as a defense mechanism, but I see it as a tool to use in, in social situations. And like you said, if it's a crutch, um, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so I use humor a lot. And um, the, the example that I have regarding how I was able to bring my authentic self into a business situation is um, with my current employer. So like I said before, I've been with UW Credit Union for about six months. And about, I'd say one month after I started, my team had a strategic planning session to plan the upcoming year. Um, so again, I was still brand new, um, but this was one of the first kind of like big team activities we did. Um, and one of the one of the activities we did during our strategic planning session was to jot down on post-its what we felt our team's strengths were. So it was kind of like a, a warm-up kind of activity. So um, I wrote a handful of strengths, but I also really couldn't help myself from adding some humor to the situation. So on like this little purple post-it, I wrote style and fashion or something like that um, as one of my team's strengths, just to, you know, kind of put some humor in there and make people laugh. Um, so all of our post-its were on like one big sheet of paper in the front of the room. So everyone on my team saw it, had a good laugh. It was great. And then we, we moved on. Um, so keep in mind too, I'm still new to this organization. So I haven't gone through the strategic planning process there. Um, this is my first time. So a few weeks later, my manager tells me that all of the HR leaders came together to share their team's strategic planning materials. And that included my like silly little post-it <laughs> that said style and fashion, um, you know, along with all of the other post-its and all of the other planning activities that we did. Um, and luckily he said, you know, everyone appreciated the humor and had a good laugh. So um, for a split second, I was a little worried, like, oh, gosh, all of the managers saw that. But um, I didn't really worry about it. It seemed like everyone had a good laugh and it was fine. But then we proceeded to have two more strategic planning sessions um, with our entire HR team, our HR director, the VP of HR, like serious brainstorming and planning sessions for the new year um, for our organization. Really important stuff. And there's my little purple post-it that says silent fashion, just following me everywhere I go. I mean, literally, the strategic planning process was so great that all of the work we did from the beginning stayed with us throughout the process. So we didn't lose sight of it. But my my humor that I brought into our initial planning session, you know, kind of followed me all the way through. And, um, you know, I have to admit, even being the authenticity champion that I try to be, I I started doubting myself a little bit, like thinking, oh, gosh, they're never going to take me seriously. They're probably wondering why they hired me. They don't think I'm taking this seriously. So I will admit I'm human and those thoughts popped in my head. But when everything was said and done, um, my little bit of humor didn't deter the team from what we set out to do. And I believe that not only did it reinforce who I am as a unique, authentic member of the team, but I think they appreciated it. Um, you know, the little dash of humor thrown in the mix. And 
it was a good learning experience for me. I really did throw my, my authentic self into a place where it otherwise may have been seen as unprofessional um, or unnecessary. And again, I'm human. I started questioning myself a little bit, but just quickly realized I had to remain confident in myself and who I am and um, really be confident that my authenticity is the reason I was hired, the reason I do my job well, and that that is ultimately what matters. Yeah. And, and I think the reason I think it's so great that you share that is because you, you read the audience, right? The audience was your team. You knew that you all have good fashion, you have good, you know, style sense. And you were ready though, once that did go to the larger audience for the consequences too. So you were ready to have conversations if somebody came back and was like, maybe next time don't be as forward in your um, humor or whatever. But I just think it's so great that you found a way to remain who you are in a situation like that and that you didn't necessarily get a negative feedback around it. And I'll share a similar story or a similar recent experience that I had with with sharing my authentic self. Um, we we have a lot of team meetings uh, on my current with my current team here, and we try to finish with a positive. So it's, I would suggest for those who have team meetings or run team meetings to absolutely find a way to, to finish on a, on a positive note with your team. Uh, it's a great way to end meetings, especially if they're either, um, a little bit difficult or the message that you're sharing isn't great. Um, ending on a positive is always great. I am not a positive person. I am, I am a glass half empty person. So for me, to end on a positive, I always it, it takes me far longer to find positive in a situation than a lot of other individuals on my team. And I always make sure to share how difficult it is for me to participate in that conversation. But it's also a way for me to build as a professional or as a team member. So I, I appreciate being able to flex in those situations and be pushed in such a way uh, where I have to find the positivity in a situation rather than defaulting to um, negativity, which actually segues really well into our last part of the conversation here, Brittany, because we talked about this a little bit and you mentioned it just now in your last comment. There are going to be times when our authentic self just doesn't vibe with the people that we're working with or uh, individuals that we have to deliver content to or our uh, people that we support within our businesses, right? So how can we build up our own resiliency to stay authentic and not necessarily lose ourselves to the haters, right? The haters out there. Yeah. Yes. Us. I love this. Yeah. Good, good, um, good question. And the, f- so the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about this and when I think about, um, you know, trying to develop something that helps us um, build up our resiliency to stay authentic, like you said, Kelly. Um, it's actually something that I learned in psych class, psych class in college. Um, and again, I didn't get a psych degree. Like I said, I got a got a social work degree, and I work in HR. But I remember this term and this concept that I learned, and it's it's adolescent egocentrism. I think is what it's called. But um, and essentially, what that what that term is, is describing the stage of development when adolescents start thinking that everyone is paying attention to their every move, everyone's looking at them, everyone cares about them. 
kind of like that stereotypical, I don't know, view we have of, of being an adolescent, being a teenager. So um, the reason why this ties into what you asked is because it really is my, my personal opinion, just my opinion that this, um, even though this phenomenon begins occurring in adolescence, it doesn't go away completely for a very long time. And even through college and as young professionals, um, we put so much pressure on ourselves to, to do well and impress our colleagues and fit in because I think we have a little bit of that um, egocentrism lingering and we think our managers, our coworkers are hanging on our every move and just waiting for us to mess up or waiting for us to do something wrong. But in reality, that's totally not the case. And they're just as focused on themselves and their work and their world as we are. So I think it, it's, it's helpful to remember that it's just human nature for people to focus on themselves. So um, if you are going to, you know, communicate in a, in a way that's authentic to you and you, you know, are worried about it not vibing with somebody or, you know, somebody thinking a certain way about you, to just remember that when you think people are judging you or thinking about you at work, nine times out of 10, they're probably not. They're probably thinking about what's going on in their world. And they, you know, they read your email, they listened to your presentation, they looked over your project, and then they moved on to like the 10 million other things they have to do at work and the 5 million other things they have to do at home. Um, and once I realized that, and I don't know if it, if that egocentrism does kind of go away um, with age, but once I realized that, once it clicked for me, I really just felt such relief and such freedom to be my authentic self. And um, I think everyone should just move through the world as their authentic self. Other people will benefit from your authenticity, but ultimately, again, they aren't hyper-focused on us. They're, they're focused on themselves. So you are really the one, you being the, the person that's being their authentic self, are the one that benefits from, from being authentic at work. Um, when you don't hold back, you feel more confident, um, you're able to excel in your job, you can be innovative, you can inspire others, you can do so many great things when you just let yourself be who you are truly. Well, and it allows it allows for you to focus on other things too, right? Because I, I can't tell you how exhausting it is to sometimes be somebody you're not. And I know that we all have experience with that. So I don't think what I'm saying is really going to be a, an earth shattering realization for everybody. But we've all gone into situations where we act like someone we're not. And I, speaking from experience, go home 10 times more tired than I am when I show up as my authentic self because I'm allow, I'm allowing my brain to focus on other things rather than making sure that I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. I mean, that is just so exhausting. So I think everything you're saying is right. And like you just said, it allows for us to be a better professional and focus on things that we want to do professionally when we're not having to think about who we have to maintain if it's not our true authentic selves, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. And I think the other thing I'll add to, you know, I, I said it before, I'm a glass half empty kind of person. And I love your idea of because we always we're we're a we're a culture that asks for feedback or gives feedback regularly. We it's our own sort of double-edged sword, right? We want the feedback, but as soon as we get it, it hurts sometimes. So if if you're like me, you you read it, you take it to heart, 
you sometimes have a good cry about it, right? And then you move on because the person that provided that feedback has probably, to your point, already moved on as well. So if you can be comfortable with who you are and you feel like you're bringing that person, the true authentic person, to the right conversations at the right times and you're not offending anybody with that authenticity, then you've done what you're supposed to for that day and for that engagement and that interaction, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I think one one additional thing I'll share, Kelly, that I've kind of learned and picked up on again over time and over over the years of um, being being my authentic self and communicating in an authentic way is I've found that it really does have, um, you know, people pick up on it and people pick up on it in, in a positive way. And it really has a positive impact on people. Um, and I'm communicating in, in my authentic manner just because that's how I communicate. That's how I express myself. And sometimes it it like physically hurts to like not add seven exclamation marks in an email if I'm excited about something or happy about something. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I found people will comment to me like, yeah, you know, you're just, you're so upbeat, Brittany. And we really appreciate that we, you know, you're your authentic self and your positivity is great. And just little comments like that. I kind of store them in the back of my head, like, okay, people are picking up on this and it's, it's hopefully benefiting people how I'm communicating. And, Again, it could be the same thing for somebody who communicates in a different way. If someone communicates authentically in just a, a brief, you know, to the point, succinct way, that might really benefit people. And people might say to them, you know, thank you for your your clear communication. It's really helpful. So um, people pick up on it. And if you just let yourself communicate in an authentic way, um, like you said, you might have haters, but more often you're going to have people who see that authenticity and appreciate it. Yeah, it's the saying, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? If you if you are coming to a conversation or to an event or to whatever as your authentic self, you're going to create relationships at that event or, or wherever you are that you want to maintain. Um, and you'll be able to maintain them at a much lower um, lower output level because, again, you're not having to pretend you're somebody you're not for an extended period of time. You get to be yourself. You get to attract the people that you know will vibe with who you are. And I think that's so much more refreshing and important than being somebody you're not. So, Brittany, I incredibly appreciate the time that we've spent together. Is there anything that we missed or that you want to add for our listeners regarding the topic of authenticity before we close it out? Yes, absolutely. So I... I have to give a major shout out to to where I work, UW Credit Union. I know I'm really fortunate to work for an employer that really encourages and embraces authenticity. And I know that it's not always the case necessarily with every organization. So there might be people listening who are thinking, you know, I my my organization might not support this or whatever the case may be. So um, we know that, and I think it's still so important to to stay true to your authentic self. Um, I do I do realize that I'm fortunate that my employer just makes it so easy. Um, but I would say for those that might not be in an organization or in an environment that supports it that much, to just really still still stay true to yourself um, as much as you can because it's so important. 
I would agree. And I would, I'm at an organization also that allows for me to be as authentic as possible. And I've been at organizations that uh, don't necessarily encourage that. And I found outlets to allow for my authentic self to still be something that I thought about on a regular basis and leaned into when I could or when it was appropriate, um, such as volunteering or finding other uh, YP groups to sort of meet up with and you know, have a drink or play some ping pong or do whatever it is that allows for your authentic self to shine through if you're not at an organization, to Brittany's point, that uh, allows for that to be a day-to-day thing in your professional world. So again, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If somebody wants to reach out and sort of continue the conversation with you, how can they reach out or connect? Yeah, sure. I would love if anyone um, wants to connect or has any any questions or thoughts to share. So um, I have a common name. So you can certainly try and find me on LinkedIn, uh, Brittany Hansen. Um, I have my credentials in there, MBA, PHR. I think there are about 200 Brittany Hansons on LinkedIn. Um, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, but I can also give my email. It's letter B as in Brittany. And then my last name, Hansen, H-A-N-S-O-N at uwcu.org. And it's Brittany Hansen and you work at UW Credit Union in Madison, Wisconsin for all of those following along at home. Yes, correct. Great. Well, thank you again, Brittany. Again, this is your host, Callie. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Callie Zippel, Twitter and Instagram at Sherm Callie Z. Uh, For those that haven't been out there for a little while, go out to our sherm.org backslash honesthr or sherm.org slash honesthr website. Uh, We've got all sorts of opportunities out there for you to interact with us. You can suggest guests or topics or whatever it is really that you want us to be listening to. Uh, We want to hear from you. We want to make sure that this uh, season is exactly what you want it to be and need it to be. So make sure that you go out there again. It's sherm.org slash honesthr. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. If you, again, want to reach out, it's Callie Zippel at Sherm Callie Z on pretty much all platforms. Thanks again for coming out. And we will catch you next time on another episode of Honest HR. This episode is part two of miniseries one, and it's the final episode in the miniseries. If you haven't already done so, please go back and listen to part one of this mini-series called Entry Level to Next Level, featuring Sam Arpino. Once you've listened to both parts of the mini-series, you can enter the SHRM Professional Development, or PDC, code into your SHRM recertification profile. The code you'll need is 19-YNJ45. That's 19-Y as in Yankee, N as in November, and J as in Juliet, 45. Thanks again for being SHRM certified and for listening to our Honest HR podcast.